0: Before we start the show, a word from our sponsor. Lyndon, we got sponsors. Hell yeah, we do. Well, I guess we gotta thank Dash Mortgage and You First Realty. Who are those guys? They're your full service mortgage and real estate brokerage. Who is behind that? Our good friend, Dan Horgan. Dan Horgan? Yeah, he not only rips out in the water, but he's an experienced loan professional. Hmm, so what does he do? He helps out in conventional FHA, VA, refi, or jumbo loan products. So Dan has the lenders to make it happen? Yes, and he'll give you the best service in the industry. Nice. Dash mortgage with no bogus fees or points? That's right. Just give Dan five minutes of your time to hear what he can do for you. So who does all the real estate then? That would be me. What? Well Dan has his license too, but I work under Dan. Okay. Yeah. But so, you're a real estate agent, too? You know this. Oh, yeah. I remember now. I helped you get your house. Oh, you did? Yeah. All right. So if you're looking to buy, sell your home or looking for an investment property, give me a call. So not only a Ruka rep, you're an experienced realtor. Yeah. I didn't quit my day job, London. I still I still work for RUCA. <laughs> okay. I do real estate on the weekends. Yeah, I've been offering great incentive programs for all my friends and family to keep more equity in their pocket. I guess I'm not a friends or family because I never heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> but all you on the Late Night and Chalky podcast, Saul, call our office, 714-784-5736 and mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Nice. Anything else we know need to know about Dash Mortgage? Um, just our California Realtor BRE number, 0199-3245.
1: Okay, let's stop talking about real estate and mortgages. Let's talk about what really matters and what is that. Surf trips. And where do we like to go? Off my mind, Nicaragua. And where do we stay in Nicaragua? The one and only Mark and Dave's. Mark and Dave's. An exclusive, inclusive, -inclusive all-inclusive... Boutique hotel on the beach... Waves out front, ponga drops, waves down the beach, Colorado's, where I saw late night lar get Shactified.
0: Oh, insane in the membrane down there. Tons of barrels, but better yet, it's not just the surf that's insane down there. It's just this compound that they have. Killer poolside, killer food, top of the line chefs, you name it. It's in a safe, gated
1: community. Uh, they'll pick you up at the airport. They'll drop you off at the uh, at the house. Um, there's ping pong table. There's horseback multi- riding. There's horseback riding. Yeah. There's world class fishing. Golfing. There's golfing. Um, the scenic. I mean, it's it's the best. You could get a massage
0: after surfing for four hours in the morning. Yeah.
1: So it's great for people that are traveling by themselves. It's a great place to bring your family. It's a great place to have a retreat. It's a great place to have, you know what I'm saying, bachelor parties. You know what I'm saying? I think we've been there for all of the above. We might have. So go to Mark and Dave's website and mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast, and you're going to get 200 bucks off, uh, off selected weeks
0: for the rest of 2019. Oh, Sign me up. This is insane. Mark and Dave's welcome, friends, family, and all you surf fans out there. Welcome to the Late Night and Chalky podcast.
1: Late Night with Chalky podcast, dude.
0: Why do you always have to correct me?
1: Because it's Late Night with Chalky podcast. I brought a hat to prove it to you, and we'll have merch, and a sticker
0: and we'll have merch to show you.
1: It says, late night with fucking Chalky. All right.
0: He doesn't want the and. He's, he's the superior. I'm just a sidekick. But Ugh, bro. bro, who are we here? What are we doing right now?
1: Well, we're here at the beautiful Culver City, California, Outer Known headquarters. That's right. That's right. Outer Known. Uh, we're here with John Moore, a.k.a. Juan Moss.
2: Juan.
1: And this is episode Moss. two.
2: Can you believe it? Two, <laughs> part, season two? two part series. Um, yeah, we. And thanks for the hot, you guys.
1: Of course. Thanks for the.
0: Uh, thanks for the bon- asahi. Bonbon berry bowl asahi. This is asahi. amazing. Oh.
1: So going back, I. This is episode two. We ran out of time. Lar late night had to leave. Juan Moss had to leave. I didn't want to stop, but these bastards had these, these bastards had to go. Whoa. Um, but to recap from the first episode, we got to the point of, uh, you know, we talked about John being a, a, a young surfer, then going off to college at Westmont and then having an internship in uh, San Francisco, then going on to work for Fresh Jive. And then at 24 years old, got picked out of a needle in the haystack and got chosen to be the creative brand director of what he came up with for Abercrombie and Fitch, Thanks for Hollister. <laughs> <laughs> Seven years there. And then, um, what? Got to the point of Modern Amusement.
2: Yeah.
1: And then then we started talking about Beachwood Project, yeah. which was your own brand that you wanted to launch. Yeah. Let's start there, bro. Okay.
0: Well, well, for those that are listening, make sure you go back and listen to all of part one because it's an amazing story. But we're gonna hit a home run right here, right now, with part two.
1: Are you fucking ready for it?
2: <laughs> the Thanks, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I know this. We're we're talkers, aren't we? Yeah. Um, can't can't believe how long we went on that first episode. But yeah, I, I mean, um, Beachwood Project was really. You know, After working in the industry, I think at that point, um, a little over 12 years, um, I had an itch to really do something from top to bottom that, you know, just, I wanted to create the dream project. Um, we called it Beachwood, I had a partner, his name was Lachlan, um, we sort of, Came up with the whole vision together. We started right at the end of my time with Moss. You know, those were four great years, but um, it, was, it was...
1: Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety-five. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. indeed.com slash match terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed it was sort of pre ecom, and we didn't have retail stores and so i think in those four years i was missing a little bit of that ability to tell our own stories and control that story the way it's betrayed um, to our audience and so the Beachwood project was sort of this retail concept from top to bottom. Men's, women's, um, babies, kids, uh, lifestyle, home. It was, it was a really beautiful vision, and we went out there, um, resigned from Modern Amusement, had this business plan that I was quite proud of, and we just went out and started shopping it around, um, both Lachlan and myself. And it was an interesting year, we, uh, we met with everyone. So people that we had worked with in the past, um, various people in the uh, surf industry, and, and even just private investors. And what was, it was kind of an interesting year to be asking for money. I don't know if you guys remember 2008. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, So I think what happened about six months into that is we made all these incredible contacts and a lot of people were coming to me saying, you know, um, we really love the vision. We don't have this amount of money that you're asking for right now, nor do we really have the appetite to invest in something new. However, we have something that we created that needs some help. We could really use your skill set to you know, maybe fix something that was broken, yep. or kind of bring something back to its um, new life. life. Yeah, bring breathe some new life into some of these concepts. So, um, would you come work for me? And I'm like, all right, you know, put a few of those together. I'm thinking, well, if we can't fund Beachwood, maybe I should start, you know, some sort of a business where we could essentially freelance our talents to to other brands. Um, and that's a, Essentially, what we did. Uh, so, a lot of people kind of just
1: said, "Hey, we like your idea, but we can't afford it, or we don't have the resources for it, but we want you to yeah. work for us."
0: It's more of a risk and management. That,
1: probably, yeah. Uh, and know, that, that happened a yeah. couple times, and you're like, you know what? Maybe yeah.
2: I start my own consultation yeah. Yeah. firm or design firm. Design firm. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened. Um, and you know, it was a. It was not an easy decision. I mean, it was essentially um, my partner in Beachwood had made a decision that it was probably he's he was Australian. He is Australian, so he decided he was going to move back home. Um, Hmm. Had a relationship back there, and so I was, you know, I was sort of here. I had all these um, numbers and opportunities. I knew if I called them, there would be these jobs, and so less than a mile from where we're sitting, and just kind of, just over the little river here in Culver City, um, is where we started POP. And so, uh, POP was an acronym for pencil on paper, um, the POP studio. And it was myself, uh, it was my girlfriend, although sometimes she won't admit that, um, but she was definitely there at the beginning. And Yusuke Sakamoto, and I don't know, i have met you at some yeah. point. Yeah. Um he worked here for a second, right? He worked, yeah, he was definitely part of the begin beginnings of Alpha okay. too. But you know, he was my right hand and our art director at pop for you know the better part of a decade. Wow. Where, where did he come from? Like what did he do prior to pop? Well it was interesting. So when you start your own business, I had never, you know
1: This is your first business venture. Proper
2: business, right? I mean we talked previously about my dad giving us a little bit of seed money to do this t-shirt thing in college but you know this was my what was own- that again fat <laughs> fat now <Nelson. laughs> yeah yes thank you again for <laughs> uh, reminding me of, of the past but we um, so knew I needed to have a dynamic artistic lead if we were going to truly have you know the design studio that that I was envisioning at the time and so, um, we were asking around, I knew a few people from my work in apparel, that I thought would be you know, pretty good at the job, but then Yusuke was having a, an art show um, at a shop that's no longer in West Hollywood, and I just happened to go, I didn't know who he was, I just happened to go, I loved everything I saw on the walls. I actually bought a piece, and I asked the gallerist um, if he could put me in touch with Yusuke. I went down to Yusuke's studio in downtown LA a few days later, met with him. Um, I think I said something really stupid. That, you know, I was like looking at his wall and it just, everything I saw was speaking to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I I literally said, Yusuke, I can make money off of everything on your wall. (laughs) And and I go, "But but wait, let me, like I don't mean like I want to exploit you, I mean like it's so like, you know, your, the way you approach type and font and the way you paint and the way you build these assemblages and there were textiles. Like, I mean, it just, it was really this, like, all-senses feeling. It's and funny, right? Incredibly inspiring. So, uh, long story short, Eastgate. What, what kind of art was it? Um, was it, like,
1: uh, paintings or caricatures or graphic
2: Painting, all, fonts, and all were very graphic. But it was like some were drawing, some were painting, Yes. Yeah. Um, some were some. I'm gonna have to dig textiles. some up for the, for Yeah, you Instagram definitely. Place. Yeah, and I, will even, I can share some with awesome. you as well. Awesome. Um, I mean, I still have the original piece that I bought him that just said "inspire deep down," and it was these two. It might be in the building somewhere, so we can look for it later. But it was just these two very graphic paintings where he actually, um, I think it was on foam. They had these wood frames, but it was just his his use of type visuals. I love that he also pulls a lot from our, you know, California surfing lifestyle like there was a lot of iconography in his work that i really love Yeah, um, and he's japanese yeah and i've always felt such a i've, I've gotten so much inspiration from japan over the years yeah. and had so many great relationships with um japanese artists and designers and, and businessmen that i just knew that it was it was sort a of good fit to be. it was a good fit and so yeah Yusuke um
1: what was he doing at the time just being a freelance artist or
2: he had worked so at the time he was really pursuing his fine art mm. um and but he had a little bit of experience in apparel um, with with some various brands he had done some t-shirt graphics with I think the brand was called y2k oh years ago. yo
1: yo or yo know, yo yeah, Yoji that? Yamamoto or whatever
2: uh not Yoji, but it was a it was a I, I do think it was a someone from Japan that yeah. was running that, but it was really killer t shirt graphics. Yeah. He also had done some work with a friend of ours, um, Toshi in the denim world doing
1: So were you you picked him out for to help you create your creative agency.
2: Yeah, I right? mean I I just I've always felt like I can't do anything without surrounding myself with artists. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about that too last time. I learned that from Rick. And, um, you know, I tried to, my thought was I'm probably at this point in my career pretty good at putting a lot of the various pieces together to make something work. But we need dynamic artists to really bring that vision to life. Yeah. Um, And to, you know, be able to. Help build tools that could inspire people that we worked with, and so that was that was the idea. Um, And that was 2008. That you were 2008. Okay. We actually, the first few weeks, we were working out in my front yard in Venice. um, We almost—that's when we were kind of coming up with the the way we were going to work. The name Pop um, came up. The branding. We almost. Rented you, the house next door to. How'd you see it or start it? Like, well, I so just like I told you guys, um, I ended up just calling a few people. So, cool. you know, one of the people was um, Bill McComb. And I don't know where Bill is now, but at the time he was the CEO of what was called the Liz Claiborne Group. Cool. And um, really, kind of a, this like full of life and enthusiasm type of business leader and I had met with him to see if he was interested in investing in Beachwood, but at the time they owned everything from Kate Spade and Jack Spade um, to this brand, um, kind of a bigger big box retailer called Mex. Um, but they also owned Lucky, they had endless playboy so they had all these brands, and, and I called him. I was really interested in working with Jack Spade, um, and some of the other um, brands that they had. And so you know immediately he he bit, and he's like, "Oh, this is great! You know, we'd love to work with you guys." And so you so know, almost getting a, a deal first as like yeah, you know,
1: to to, to fund the business. To fund the business. Like,
0: the hey, we want to hire your yeah. your expertise yeah. and your vision, yeah. and then in return that kind of help get get some cash in. Totally. That.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it was just the three of us (laughs) out of the front yard, (laughs) out of the front yard. Um, I do remember we found this killer little space around the corner. Um, you know, maybe you guys would have come to one of our art shows in those early years, but it was this amazing space, um, 2000 square feet, top, top and bottom floor. The bottom floor, we kind of kept empty so we could just have this like flexible creative space that ultimately became the pop gallery. Um, and then we had, you know, a handful of creatives upstairs working on all these projects. I do remember the day I signed the lease on that place was the day Lehman Brothers crashed and yeah. it was huge news. I mean, it was, yeah. it was sort of like the world, the financial world was imploding. Yeah. Um, so it was a, that's a fairly, you know, I've got, I've hired. That's like nine eleven practically. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've hired. You remember the day that that happened. You remember the day that that happened. Totally. You know, and I had people counting on me to um, to make you know to put food on their table, and yeah. so.
1: Was Hannah um, still working at Ron Herman then, or?
2: Um. She she had left, so we had had we had my daughter at the time. Oh, you did. Okay. Um. That was also a, a real deciding factor that I couldn't way to get Beachwood funded, and we kind of had that, you know, pop was a way that I could start making some money and provide for my family. So, um, so, you know, Hannah was still really focused on, um, raising our daughter, but also had so much to give creatively to the type of projects that we were working on. And so, um, really, if anything, she was just a real, um, voice of, confidence and I've kind of run everything by her when we were working on some of these early projects, mm-hmm. but, um, you better, or else, right? <laughs> you, <laughs> did, right? Did, the boss, did
1: she go to school for art or?
2: Uh, she yeah. went to school for psychology. Um, but and she,
1: she always had a flair for,
2: yeah, I mean, I think for like, fashion and yeah design. And well, and I think all those years working at Ron Herman and, you know, before that she just, she, she's always been a real, so fond of everything in the vintage world, and so... Um, Would you call her your muse? She was def- she, <laughs> she she was then and still is today. I mean, yeah. she's been my muse on so many different projects, but she has incredible taste level. Yeah. And I think working in the early days of pop with both Yusuke, who both of us have this incredible admiration um, and respect for in terms of his ability to put out this dynamic art across all these mediums, right. And then just having her, not just her vision, but also her honesty. I think whenever you're starting someone, you need someone to tell you exactly what they think. Yeah. Honestly and upfront. Yeah. Brutally yeah. honest. Brutally honest. Yes. And so, but quickly, I mean, we had to staff up. I mean, we had, uh, we hired a woman named Ann Gordon. Uh, we convinced um, an, an incredibly talented, designer named Michael Abbey to come work with us in those early days. Michael stayed with us. Um, I think for so the better part of the next six years, Mike Lohr, who today works with us yeah. and, um, on outer known and I originally met at fresh jive. He actually was one of the first to come work with us in the early days of pop.
1: Hmm. So when you, when you created pop, was it a, what kind of business was it? Uh, a creative agency Yeah, that, uh, your your services included
2: marketing direction, design direction. Like what it, well, yeah, a what little it, bit of everything. So I think at the time a lot of these CEOs saw me a little bit as like a like a brand doctor. And I know that because they, they sort of referred to me that way when they were introducing me to other people. Huh. And so I think That's it a was, great little
1: uh, nickname. The brand doctor. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: Put it up on the Let's open up the hood, okay?
2: <laughs> I mean, I think well, too we, we said things like, you know, I, I I don't have it in front of me, but I think we said things like part of our offering was creative therapy. Um, but you know, it was it was one of those things where I don't know if we if we knew exactly what we were going to offer. Yeah. What we wanted to do was connect the dots with everything that we did well, which was sort of the vision, the voice. The, ultimately the products and the experience of the brands that we work with. Yeah, And so, you know, sometimes I might start with one piece of that puzzle, but once we were in working with these brands for a while and they would enjoy what we, we were doing, they would give us more of the puzzle. Yeah. so, um, I mean, that first was there, year-
1: Was there companies like that already or?
2: There was, but not like today, especially where we are in Culver City. You can throw a rock and hit a boutique agency. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's literally hundreds of them around around us. Got it. Um, At the time, there wasn't. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of bigger agencies, but there were very few that were doing what we were doing, especially at the dollars we were charging. I mean, we didn't know that much. So given that we were really helping polish and turn around these. Billion-dollar businesses, um, you know, we probably weren't charging enough. Yeah, but they probably loved it. And I think there was also a theory that I came up with probably a year into it. But also, I think you know, I heard some of these um, clients tell me was business had gotten so rough towards the end of two thousand eight that they didn't want to invest in building new things internally because no matter what they did. They weren't selling more products and so what they they love this idea of outsourcing some creative vision yeah and getting a breath of fresh air yeah. and kind of saying all right you know let's batten down the hatches it's going to be a couple a few tough years but like where are we going to be on the other side of this and yeah. i think that's what we represented to a lot of these different businesses yeah um hope weather the storm and come out stronger yeah hopefully yeah,
1: yeah. it's Getting outside of their comfort zone, fresh eyes on it you know that something that they don't you know, your outlook is a whole different outlook from the people inside that building, right? Yeah, and you know it's it's stupid, but it's thinking outside of the box and working outside of the
2: box. Absolutely. Right? So and it was still during this evolution from sort of traditional retail, excuse me, as we knew it, to a more virtual model, and so. You know, I think we weren't the overly strategic option in a consultancy. We were very, we were making decisions based on gut and feel and we were hiring a lot of the right people that were a part of the, the various demographics of the businesses that we worked with. And so, you know, I think those early days, I don't think, I mean, they were some of the most rewarding creative days of my career just because it was really fun so those were the
1: most memorable times of your creative processes
2: yeah i mean it was it was just a really fun time to be creating a business um that i remember people saying oh this is my best meeting of the day when we'd show up because i think it was grim times for a lot of companies yeah and so you know we were basing a lot of our work on just gut and feeling and instinct and you know creating these really inspiring ideas um for companies big and small and i just you know um kept sort of outsourcing all this work to two amazing artists that i you know beyond yusuke just that were part of our community that would always show up with new ideas and put beautiful work on the table and so it was just a it was sort of um, my first real business venture, but it felt like, you know, just, it was just an incredibly creative time for yeah. all of us that were involved. And in very... So do you remember
1: what your first client, or who your first client was, it was Liz Claiborne? Liz
2: Claiborne was our first, mm-hmm. and we ramped up quick. I mean, we went from, we, we ended up taking this role in Amsterdam, and so in the, those first, um, that first year, I. Can't remember. I think I did twenty four one way flights back and forth to Amsterdam. Really, what um, was what was there? A company called Mex, and they were a, a global company, but they really wanted us to help them with their pan European business and men's and women's um, kind of a little bit more fast fashion. Um, you know, we took on this consultancy role where we are really working with them on all things marketing related, all things product related, and then their store experience. Um, and you know, we, because Liz Claiborne had all these brands at the time, they, they sort of asked us to do a, a little bit of, bring a little bit of what we did into a lot of those worlds. Wow, And so, so you
1: got really lucky and got plugged into
2: one yeah. major business conglomerate that had all yeah. these arms that had all kinds of revenue
1: yeah, streams yeah. for you that's insane was their
0: infrastructure and in their like business model the same for all brands even though they were different products like, like who was handling
1: separate divisions
2: they had separate divisions mm-hmm. and I think they really trusted their different brand leads and business leads to kind of run them respect it you know like run them in a way that would work for their regions yeah. um, some were working better than others um, you know I think for us just as a creative agency it was a really interesting time to not just work on one project but to kind of cut our teeth on three or four and a lot of those were way outside of our comfort level too so it was really getting us to think in different ways Um, the process our creative process was still the same we always wanted to bring our very best work but the way it was applied uh, was very different depending on where we were in the world because you know
1: There's specialization, right? And there's companies that are creative agencies that kind of specialize in certain niches and certain, you know, be it packaging or product or whatever. You kind of, you were kind of doing it
2: all. We were doing it all. I mean, definitely we always played more of the creative role. Um, Like I remember collaborating with one of the big consumer insights groups. Um, I think it was the, Boston Consulting Group uh, in those early days with Max and you know they were really doing these like consumer insights and, and data projects, but you know we were working on like what that actually meant in terms of when you walked into the store and the experiences that you felt. So um, it was cool. I mean, we they were our first client. Um, they took us global quickly. I think we went Damn. from the three of us to, I think, a team of seven in a matter of months. Um, one of the other um, companies that I had pitched Beechwood to, um, they were in a similar world um, that we were, but they were more... Instead of helping build brands, they were doing a lot of licensing work, and so they they pitched us on this idea of creating a partnership. And, you know, at the time they were sort of a bunch of suits. Um, We were, you know, exactly how we look today, you know, a bunch of young creatives. And so the idea was like, if we could put the suits and the MBAs together with the creative vision, then maybe we, instead of them licensing ideas and helping people extend brands, and we were Really, creating new ideas, we could put that together and go out and start launching our own businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we'll—I'm sure—we'll talk a little bit more about that. That turned into things like Penny Stock and MNE and yeah. some of the other things we created over the next few years. Um, I think what you guys will be interested in is sort of in the early days of Pop. Um, we were doing all this global work. Uh, right before the end of 2009 so we this would have been you know we'd been in business for more than a full year at this point Um, yeah pretty much instant instant success kind of yeah instant success in the in the the way that we were able to make ends meet everyone got paid yeah in the most trying year of the financial crisis Yeah. yeah That was, it was pretty cool. And I don't know if the way you planned it, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I I don't want to get overly like we also, if you guys recall, we, we elected Obama too. And so to me, like there was, I just, it was like, it felt good. So yes, there was all this despair. Businesses were crumbling, but like you could see this light at the end of the tunnel and it felt like we were building something new in a new era. Yeah.
0: Were you, were you guys actively like looking for new work or were you pretty content with the Liz Claiborne?
2: We were actively pursuing work because I think there was a fear that any day yeah. Yeah. She'll fall off on something. Thing. Yeah, and you know, I, I We had I had to provide for my family yeah. and at this point we had seven other people I also think too there was a reality of me not being very good at the business side And you know, you should see that original contract we did with Liz Claiborne. It was one page it was the most um, non-binding <laughs> agreement ever, right? Like they could have at any time with like- So you didn't
1: learn your lesson from the Hollister contract. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I've never been good at that side, ever.
2: Of... You would me your... both. Yeah. I'm gonna
0: give you your, all your inside trading secrets. <laughs> exactly. exactly, You would me
2: both. So, um, but yeah, we, I don't know where we were going with that other than to say we'd been yeah. in business for a year more than a year and you went from three to seven we went from three, three to seven I think at this point we would probably had like you know Liz Claiborne was our biggest project but then we had a few other smaller projects and Randy Hild and Susan Branch called from Quicksilver they called us right before um, the end of 2009 I know we met just before we brought up for the holiday they came up here um awesome conversation i don't think i had met either of them i randy's become such a good friend i feel like i've known him forever but i do think that was probably the first time we had officially met yeah um for those of
1: you who don't know randy is quicksilver from quicksilver and also launched
2: roxy, roxy yeah. yeah i mean instrumental in starting roxy and just um, one of the most knowledgeable and passionate historians of surf yeah. ever, and and if and if he isn't, he's a very humble man. So you know he he'd probably deny that and, and give that credit to others. But he's just such a student of the sport and the lifestyle and the history. Um, so they came to you. They came to me to help doctor up Quicksilver. Well we didn't know originally they said you know can we come up we would just love to meet with you see what you guys do Um, you know of course we took every meeting this was something we were extra excited about Um, they came up we've always I'm skipping around here but you know we create books tangible books even today in this digital world I still love putting our vision on paper right and so those early meetings were fun because people would come into the studio and we just put all these books in front of them and say, you know, some of this work we did back in our a days, but here's some more recent work that we've done for all these other brands. Um, you know, and this is kind of how we apply our creative process and it's, it's your portfolio. It's our portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. So came up, had, an, had a great chat. They told us how they, they were sort of trying to figure out how to build, something called Quicksilver Women's uh, within the Quicksilver world and so you know I think they dabbled a little bit in it previously and to you know kind of had mixed results and so you know basically they're they came up to see if we'd be interested in really helping bring this idea vision to market and you know really work with them in as little or as big as 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 we wanted or as we could as we could put together and so um, so this is to launch
1: Quicksilver, Quicksilver
2: Women's Quicksilver Women's and so we all went away for the holiday and I'll never forget it was like you know January 3rd or 4th um, 2010 and I got this like awesome email from the two of them and they're like you know we're so excited we came back we ran the idea past the, at the time Craig Stevenson pin was was running quick and they're like you know we'd love to work with you guys let's figure it out um and in that agency world like those emails are your greatest you know currency right you that's how you run your business you're so excited like not only was this something that hit squarely in, you know the world that I love so much surfing but um you know I just I love I knew we'd get to go way back into the um, okay, archives of okay. Quicksilver and I was just buzzing with excitement for this. well they're
0: I mean yeah. uh, obviously a heritage surf brand and they've kind of set the tone of the industry for pretty much forever you forever, know yeah. especially with Roxy but they did you know Waterman's they you know bought into DC bought DC yeah. and yeah. they're doing surf, skate, snow do you I mean, remember
1: that brand they had called Q? I don't remember Q bro it was, was it? insane it I was from, Q. it was before it was um, like Modern
2: Amusement and stuff
1: before that yeah. and it was before I think I do remember it was before uh, the wa- Quicksilver Waterman okay and and it was there honestly it's like a, uh, an older guy slash
2: stylish uh, outer known type I think I do remember seeing this it like wasn't like sustainable one of the trade anything, shows but it was yeah. like
1: really cool older dude you know Quicksilver wear so
2: I mean so many amazing talents were both working in that world when they hired us but have also you know been a part of building that brand over the years yeah. so just just to just to be asked to come in and, and work with them on this was was such an honor and um, you know we we just got to work immediately it was gonna it was gonna be a pretty big project we knew because there was big expectations um, so we staffed up I think we went from seven to if i'm not mistaken we more than doubled our staff immediately so we probably went to 14 people but i do know at one point we had as many as 11 people working just on the quicksilver project wow yeah so it was a big contract big contract You finally learned then (laughs) i think that i think we did a better contract that time because i had done a deal with these other guys that were know essentially our business partners and so they they helped do the contract um and so yes thanks for asking (laughs) being a surf
0: fan i bet you put a little clause in there surf with slater uh, yeah Yeah. no
2: i don't well well, the funny thing is is i don't know if we if i should have i (laughs) i know that at the time we weren't really contracted to do any of the men's work but i but i knew in my Soul. I was like, okay, we go in there and we get this right, then it could lead to all these other things. So this yeah. was 2010? 2010. 2010, we got to work. Um, I think the goal was to get our first collection to the market for spring 2011. And you guys are in the business, you know, like... You're, you're out. Yeah, like... you know, Six to eight months ahead. Yeah, yeah, trains left the station. We've got to have a sales meeting in six months, basically, was mm-hmm. kind of the conversation. So
1: what was your role as were you creative director of quicksilver women's i think that's what we'd probably call it yeah you know kind of but you weren't you were they were under contract with pop studio pop studio Yeah.
2: yeah so i you know i think my role my role was sort of head designer creative director um we had we we staffed up we had this amazingly talented team both at pop but also at quicksilver um a woman named Faye ran merchandising. Fredericks. Um, Faye Fredericks, uh, amazing woman. She she ended up actually coming and working with us after that experience mm-hmm. at Pop. Uh, Kenna Flory, like a lot of really interesting people um, were part of the collaboration internally at Quicksilver. So we there was a team there and we had our team. Um, no clashes, no... No, cla- I mean, you know, those were funny early days. Like, Nottis was still in the building. Um, Nottis was a friend of mine from, from Venice. And, you know, I, this this is in no way a clash, but I can remember the first meeting where we were sort of presenting, like, the initial vision. And I think at the time, Nottis had done the, those amazing, like, you know, he really helped with the rebranding during his time and brought so much more expression to their font and they had sort of created this universal branding system and we came in and it was not and Bob and obviously Susan and Randy and a few others in the room and we had this vision that we wanted to bring this like pale pink hue to the mountain and wave because we thought that that would be really complementary to the, the vision we have we had for I don't know women's and I just remember that meeting being really like you know you're talking to all these amazingly talented, successful captains of surf industry, and saying we want to make the mountain wave pink, Fim. pale <laughs> pink, <laughs> and that's how we're going to start the Swimmers brand with pale pink, pale pink. And I think we showed a lot of like really sort of romantic, moody black and white imagery, um, and so so it wasn't a clash. It was just you know some of those funny passionate yeah. early days conversations yeah. that, you know, ultimately I'm glad we had them and, you know, it led to great things. And yeah. um, You know that there's... Uh, well, of course you know, but, you know, uh, I found a bunch of
1: YouTube clips of you talking about... Oh, really? Yeah.
2: The Quicksilver stuff <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was neat in the sense that they really put me out there as the, you know, here's this bearded man <laughs> who's essentially... The spokesperson for yeah. and Women's, and you know, it was cool. It was, it was f- both frightening too, because I think part of me felt like, even though I was a lifelong surfer, this was really my first time ever working for a surf brand. Yeah. So, if because Hollister and ANF was the fantasy, this is the reality. Yeah. And not only are we creating this new vision with Outdoor Women's, but we were mining four decades of some of the most incredible stories ever so a couple things
1: come to mind right did Bob McKnight ever ask you about Hollister did you guys talk about it never came up
2: really yeah never never came up but I mean he was so cool and so supportive but never came up
1: yeah well I'm sure he was like this guy's you know on our team now (laughs) I want him to not feel threatened or because obviously those guys were you know pissed off
2: well, but, I remember, I mean, we might have talked about this, I can't remember, in the last episode, but, you know, I remember reading in the O.C. Register when, in the earliest days of Hollister, Bob was quoted, yeah. and it was, like, one of the quotes I read, and it was, like, oh, my gosh, like, this, you I'm know, blackballed and this black this guy bald, hates me. <laughs> this guy hates me. And, you know, it wasn't directed towards me but just as an so individual, but just yeah. what we were doing, yeah. and so, look, I, it never really came up. It definitely, like, Randy and Susan and I would have those conversations, but, um... 'Cause obviously I think that success le- led to
1: this too.
2: You know? It all I mean, we'll get to the I don't know Outer Known is definitely the culmination of all these experiences, yeah. for sure. And and Outer Known would not exist without us going into that Quicksilver world. Yeah. Um for so go, sure. Like,
0: so go but but it seemed like Quicksilver Women's was like okay Roxy's been around for over a decade yeah. almost two right you know and that consumer for Roxy youth, grows up and then yeah and then, you know, it, it stayed in its you know demographic that it was accustomed for and yeah like you said everybody grew up so they needed to outfit yeah. that older generation lifestyle and there's so many other new players in the game yeah. you know, that Roxy had to
1: compete with yeah. and those kids grew up You know, they went from junior high, high school,
2: and they're in college, and they're not going to be wearing Roxy all the time. Yeah, and like we did one of those things we do with anything, and that I still do. Just, and as most designers do, you kind of look around and you look for like, where's the white space? Like, where can we, what? How can we stand out from everything that's in that marketplace? And so, um, you know, Volcom had their women's thing. Curly, rib curl, Um, and
1: sorry, I can't believe when you mentioned Volcom when they first launched women's. Yeah, the things that they marketed was so hilarious. Yeah. So, the first thing that they did, they used an acronym, and it said VAG. Come on! (laughs) I swear to God. Really? V A G. Ah. Volcom Action Girl.
2: and they probably meant it do you, do you remember that you don't no remember I don't that. remember oh, yeah. that. when they
1: first launched women's that was one of their but initial... someone
2: caught that before it went to market no, right no it
0: was no it was out wow it was in the magazine bag now that you brought it up yeah. yeah I mean for sure
1: in Beach Happy I don't know if it was in like yeah you know surfing magazine or whatever but Vag was their opening alright <laughs> well
2: there you go <laughs> I, look, we looked around and we just... We, we saw that there was maybe a certain taste level that the other brands didn't have that we really wanted to bring to the marketplace. It didn't mean that the other brands weren't doing their version really well, but we just saw an opportunity. You yeah. know, some were a little more punk, some were very bohemian. Yeah. Um, and because Quicksilver had all of this history, we just wanted to really mine those incredible stories and then apply them to different things that we could do for women's and so you know I remember going to meet with Walter Hoffman and going through his archives, you and know, looking Kitty at some candy of the store there. Huh? Yeah, looking at some of the earliest Quicksilver textiles and you know how do we bring those in women's and th- I mean it was just it was awesome. Yeah. It was so, so good. Like I so, love So that was
1: before the other brands that you created
2: yeah so that was I don't think we had done our own house brands yet I'm sure we were thinking maybe maybe penny stock we had started to put out there I honestly don't remember what is we had so much output in the pop studio years it's hard to like chronological yeah um what what was penny stock penny stock was sort of our it was the first thing we did with our business partners and the idea was pretty simple no one wanted to spend money. Bottom of the recession. Let's make the most affordable products we can possibly make, that still had a, you know, style. style and, yeah. 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 So you know, we it was um, cheap and cheerful, but well made. And you know, we had Abraham Lincoln was our brand, part of our branding, and it was just this idea of like, you know, um, affordable style. And we sold it in a lot of interesting places. And you know, we, everything from Urban Outfitters to better um, men's boutiques, it started off as a men's brand. Um, We then went into something called Pretty Penny, which was our women's stuff. But you know, it was like, we might've been doing that. I can't remember, that might've been part of it. Um, But I can tell you that in 2010 to essentially when they decided to shut it down, which was 2013, it was three years, you know, 90% of my passion and, and vision went into the, the work with Quicksilver hmm, okay. um, and it was awesome. I mean, we, we, we got women's to the market in the year. Um, I think in our first full year of trading, we got the women's um, brand of the year, uh, you know, SEMA, SEMA. Nice. so, you know, it felt good. I like the team at Quicksilver. Were it, it was really good times.
1: So I had two ladies buyers um, told me when when I you know I was working for Outer Known and, and then when we launched women's two ladies buyers, one from Hobie and I think the other one might have been uh, Farias. And there you go. And they said, "Is John involved in that too?" And I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, "Oh my gosh, you know when." I was so bummed when they got rid of Quicksilver Women huh. because John did, you know, the stuff that those guys were doing and John was involved with was the best Quicksilver Women's, F- or best women's brand we've, we, you know, we had. I'm like, wow. really? So.
0: Yeah. What, what was the Quicksilver Women's, like, like, distribution channel like? You know, Quicksilver is mainly board sports. They had retail, you know, I grip, a handful of retail, you know, corporate stores worldwide. <laughs> big box Macy's or whatnot
2: where, where was their placement for well let's let's let start here and just say that the surf industry is so good at launching things I mean we I think we talked about this a little bit last time but they're so good at identifying and doing all the work up front to say exactly where they want to distribute yeah. exactly what the, the hero ideas are so the retailers know what the brand's gonna get behind exactly what the marketing collateral looks like the plan the fixturing the POP yeah. I mean it was really full, full vision yeah full vision yeah I, I mean I really think the surf industry does it better than any other sector of apparel Telling the story yeah yeah and so 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 it was really clear that they wanted to go out and be in as many places that had supported the Quicksilver brand over the years as possible and you know part of that was I can't remember exactly how we did it but I remember our first sales meeting you know I've I've never seen more people in a room and it was like you know they flew in everyone who who mattered and we showed them this whole presentation we talked about the vision we showed the branding we talked about telling these very um, true Quicksilver stories and then um i can't remember jay it's a great question but i we went out of the block in like i want to say like 600 different stores i mean it was just
0: part of i think what they said too is if if this doesn't work we'll take it back and that's that's what i was trying to get at too is like you know as good as they are as presenting and giving the retailers all the resources and the fixturing and the store you know Product they do it sell. sell yeah the product needs to sell because they got it you know they obviously got your back and they have long histories with a lot of these retailers you yeah. know so it's like hey we're not going to let you guys fail you know we want to make sure that you're supporting it in a way that you're doing all you can but it was just weird because being in the industry as a rep and seeing it in stores and hearing how great it was and having it you know pull the plug
2: like a few years later yeah. was just crazy it was hard for all of us I mean those were the darkest I don't know if we're skipping too far forward but when they called and Told us they were shutting that down. I yeah. mean,
1: how long ago did that last? Well, how long
2: it, we were, know, were in it was? for three years, almost to the day. So I think they pulled the plug. <laughs> so we're January talking 2013. 13, yeah. So I think we had two full years of trading. You know, the business had grown exponentially. You know, I don't know exactly what the number was, but it was, bi- I mean, we were doing considerable business yeah. that second year. Because they were going through all
1: kinds of turmoil. Right. Yeah, and they had a the bunch Rossi of big Null changes. Thing, the nall thing really
2: effed them over. Yeah. Um, before our time. But, yeah, you would always hear hear the rumblings of that.
1: Was that before?
2: Way before. Okay. Yeah, it, that, that happened before we, we walked in the okay. building. But, but they did some other changes at the top. They brought in some, some new management. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, Mooney. Exactly. And so, you know, it, but it led to, look incredible three years i think you know going halfway through that process quicksilver women's was being so well received and growing in the way that they wanted to that they asked us to come over and help them with this little project that kelly was working on um And that was really cool, too, because, of course, I wanted the shot to be able to work on the men's side of things over there. And, um, you know, Kelly and I had definitely crossed paths a few times, but we didn't really have a relationship. And, I mean, it was really like um, they kind of threw us together. There was, you know, Ryan Scanlon was part of that thing in the early days, who does Need Essentials now with Rob Colby. And there was all these really interesting people that were playing a role in the, VS- in, in, in the earliest days of VSTR but they just weren't able to fully realize the vision who, and get who it off came around came up with
1: VSTR
2: um well definitely Kelly if I'm not mistaken um Kelly Ke- came up with the name Kelly and Simon Buttonshaw were involved in those early days and I don't know I, I want to say Kelly well I, I think we wanted to call it Visitor but someone else had that name So then- Shortened it. Shortened it. Um, But I definitely had nothing to do with the branding. I just sort of helped them bring the vision to life. And so, um, you know, look, it was extremely short-lived. People love that too. I think we saw two, (laughs) bless you. I think we saw two full collections come to market. Maybe three, (laughs) bless you guys but what was interesting in that really short time frame it definitely pointed to this opportunity in both the women's and the men's side of the surf world right like we we created this little concept shop internally um for vstr uh it's when quick kind of had the front and the back building and so they gave us this little space we were able to know was probably smaller than 200 square feet but we were able to kind of tell the VSTR story in there and I remember everyone from the company everyone's friends and family like you know because you get your discount there everyone came and it was like every time we put stuff on the rack it was gone Hmm. so even though it was very short-lived you could see all these all the right people were wearing the products Um, and it was a real passion project for definitely for Kelly obviously um, you know, you know. I th- I think at a higher level like Penn was really behind it. Craig Stevenson was really passionate about it. And um, so was that after QuickSilver Women's. It was yeah yeah. So they were working on it in parallel to QuickSilver Women's. They asked me to come and play a part in helping them really get it to the market. Sort of halfway through QuickSilver Women's for us, and and we help. I mean, we really I we fast-tracked it I mean from the day we walked into VSTR to the day it got to the market I think it was six months uh, we brought on Kurt Schroeder fuzzy who I'd met in the Moss modern amusement days amazing guy you know still like we love, the, love yeah. fuzzy right yeah. so you know a chance to work with fuzzy and Brian Bowen and just all these really interesting great um, people, We had this, like, small little skunk works place. Like, but they, yeah, get, they, they kept
0: you under lock and key in the back. You had yeah, your yeah. own separate side entrance, yeah. you know, because in the main design, because I, I go over there often, okay. and you'd have Hawk yep. clothing designers. Yep. You'd have DC, Quicksilver, and everybody, and then you go into the back room, and it's all under lock and key.
2: Yeah, it was us. In that back room, it was us and Summer Teeth, yeah. which was Dan's Dean's thing. Yeah, 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 so it was cool. It was, you know, I... Between Quicksilver Women's, VSTR, yeah. hanging out with all these people that were just so much just so much inspiration and you know, it's just exactly where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um so pretty rough, you know, when we got the call. I think they called us first on Quicksilver Women's I can't remember actually, but two weeks apart we got told that both of them were gonna Ooh. be shelved. And I mean, it was tough. It felt like the... So if I said the earliest days of pop were some of the best years, you know, all of a sudden, like, I felt... Kicked you in the knees. Yeah. Yeah. Very dark times.
0: Yeah. Well, I think Quicksilver was going through some major turmoil because they started to pull back on all brands. Like, Quicksilver... They, you know, was was dabbing into skate, and they're like, no more. We're just gonna have DC do skate, you yeah. know. And they they started segmenting them or, or scaling back the collections and be like, okay, quick. It's heavy or-
1: because they they gotten in that buy yeah acquisition mode, right? Yeah. That all thing that we talked about was a huge blunder. yeah. And then you know, Hawk and they, you know they kept trying to create new brands, you know. In the hopper, I remember yeah. that they had a brand called uh, Gen X or 70, I forget, remember that? Yeah. It was like a, a new brand that they were going to start that was kind of like, you know, a younger version. Almost like a Vulcan-style yeah. brand, but it yeah. never got to market. Yeah. And at that time, everybody was kind of trying to do the same thing. Billabon was doing the same thing, buying the Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and they the just had too many
0: crossover you know. categories between all the brands they owned, and that's where they were kind of like, okay, let's let's slim them down and not have to cross over. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But I mean, look, sometimes change can be really good. Sometimes it can be really bad. And I think in it. this, I think in this case, change was not good for good. Them, <laughs> yeah. for us, for them, for everybody. Yeah. You know, I think.
1: Did it come uh, out of? Uh, out of the blue or was it like you Uh, kind of were getting prepared for it or
2: for us it came out of the blue a little bit I mean I think I almost saw the writing on the wall with VSTR just because you know like Kelly was the Quicksilver franchise right so what happens if all of a sudden VSTR like it was just hard to figure out how we could use him in that world right um there was a lot of roadblocks in those you know in that short time working on that project so so I don't, I don't know if I was totally surprised about VSDR. Um, I was very disappointed, but I I was shocked that they I'm were not. shutting down Cooks Over Women's. Because so it was successful. It was, well, it was successful. It had such a point of difference to everything else in the market. I mean, I loved at the time, Billabong was really making this push, Billabong Women's. Um, and you know, under Allison's, um, DJ. design director Alison Roberts yeah and and she was doing such a good job and I remember just they were in all these categories that I probably ultimately wanted to be in but you know I just I think there was this huge opportunity for Quicksilver Women's and um, and I've heard rumors that maybe they're bringing it back so good on them but I think it was just you know change change from the top uh, rearrange some of the leadership and you know, the people that really, you know, in doing so, they lost two of their brightest lights. And yeah. so, you know, I think, um, you know, strangely, I am guess I'm fairly thankful, right? Because yeah. I don't, we I'll certainly, that for a reason. yeah, and we wouldn't be sitting here probably if, if that hadn't happened. But, you know, dark times, I had to let go, uh, um, you know, more than half. I tried to hold on to them as long as I could, but I had to let go, you know, probably. I think at the time in 2013, Pop had grown to about 35, 40 employees. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, th- I know we had 11 of them were dedicated to Quicksilver, so I had to let most of them go. Yeah. Um, we had it's gotta all. It's got to be
1: such a, a draining, depressing feeling. It, yes. You know, yeah. like, because, yeah. you know, you feel so good about building this business, and you're like, you know, a business owner, you know, part of that, the rewarding feeling of being a business owner is going, oh, look at my office, I'm helping, I'm paying this guy's livelihood, you know, and that's, that's a great, you know, feeling that you're, you're like, oh, wow, you know, you're making a difference in somebody
2: else's world, Yeah, right, and that's, that's awesome, that's commendable. Yeah, Yeah, during yeah i mean you also just have to you, you do have to come into work the next day and make everyone around you feel like there's hope mm-hmm. too so i mean yeah it's hard to be that guy yeah we need a front man that you know yeah you, you gotta do, to do, you gotta do the hurrah you know yeah. you gotta
0: come in and lift the spirits and be like we're gonna get another Quicksilver gig from yeah. some yeah, yeah. Another yeah from somewhere somewhere yeah. else
2: yeah i mean i i definitely learned that the outsourced vision for higher game can be brutal and you know in those cases we'd put our A game into something but someone else controlled our destiny and yeah you know tough. took it yeah. away and so I definitely rethought that approach later you know when we when ultimately when we created outer known but you know before, during the before we go to Outer know there's a couple of other brands <laughs> yeah. that happened right yeah. So, Quicksilver,
1: 2013. hold the plug, uh, M e Yes. You, you, you and Randy Hild? Yep. So Randy and I... Mee was a... Uh, oh, go ahead.
2: Well, I'll just start... You know, I already said Randy's just this incredible student of all things surf history. And yep. he and I really always, like... Shared this common love and interest for any like artifact or vintage ephemera, yeah, from vintage boards to clothing to stickers to magazines. I mean, we'd share this stuff all the time and geek out on it. And, um, you know, he and I talked about doing something that would maybe reference some of those earliest days of surfing's heritage. Oh, come on in. Zuri was with us in the early days. Of I saw, one yeah, night. yeah. Hi, <laughs> Zuri. Zuri, say hi. i hanging out for too long. Hi. <laughs> oh, are you guys on? we are no, we're doing a late
1: night, now. Late Night with Chalky Podcast. Say hi, Zuri. Hi, guys. Please <laughs> said
2: it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we... So Randy and I would always talk about doing something that sort of referenced the earliest days of, um, you know, maybe... Well, not maybe, like definitely pre-industry. You know, what could we do that could kind of tell the the story of the origins of Surf Style? And so Randy was always bringing these incredible um, vintage pieces to my office. And I'll never forget the day when he threw this trunk across my desk and, you know, incredible Incredibly heavyweight twill, cotton twill, but it had the most beautiful label in it, M uh, which M apostrophe N yep. I I, right? M was the first letter of a, of a Japanese tailor. Um, I haven't told the story in forever, but I believe his name was Minuro uh, Ni And he and his wife Florence um, had this little tailor shop on the west side of Oahu. Yeah. And they made so, uniforms. Right? yeah they made they did I mean they made everything from I think some of the local like marching band uniforms yeah. to um, kind of anything that you would make with the materials that were available in the time and which was essentially these army like, surplus store yeah like heavyweight twills yeah um, and so in the very early days of surfing a lot of the guys were cutting off their army chinos um, and wearing those in the water so they just took this same heavyweight twill and, and created some of the earliest trunks. I don't want to say they were the first because there were some other tailors on Oahu doing similar work at the time, mm-hmm. but they were, you know, some of the first trunks ever to um, be worn by anyone. And, you know, it was like... I read a little uh, clip of it, and it said that uh,
1: they got kind of notoriety and like celebrities would come and go to the to their shop and and get custom made yeah uh, trunks yeah Yeah. like
2: like incredible names from the time i mean even jfk had a pair of MDEs. yeah and so i think elvis had a pair too elvis had a pair um you know it was i think it was one of those things where you came it was such a cool thing to go to Oahu, Waikiki, and experience what that was in the '50s and '60s, and you know, see the, the, the watermen riding these big boards, and just the whole culture and style that surrounded it. That if you were visiting, you wanted to bring a piece of that home with you, and MNE was one of those. Yeah, and those he things. found those at a, a, the Rose Bowl flea market. I don't ever pretend to know where Randy finds everything. I mean, he has so <laughs> many different. Yeah. But I, I don't remember, but I do remember so you putting took, him in front of me.
1: You took that name and we
2: created a brand.
1: We created a band. And yeah. you won GQ Designer of the Year. Yeah. Because of
2: that brand. Because of that brand. Yeah. yeah. This this, That's this crazy origin Origins of Surf Style concept. Um, a couple years later won the Yeah, I think they called it the best new menswear designer of the year. Yeah. Um, that's another
1: freaking huge accomplishment. That was, a, that was pretty Don't cool. Don't say I'm brown nosing because that's fucking huge. That that's
0: was, huge. <laughs> that was it, cool. It's not a SEMO award. That's <laughs> fucking that's that's GQ. Than Q, the, yeah, now. that's bigger than a oh. SEMO <laughs> award. That's for damn sure.
2: That was super cool. I mean, it was very surreal. It was just, if anything, it was just surreal being in the spotlight that GQ can bring to things. Yeah. Um, and
1: because honestly, like, you know, going back and back and back, it's like you 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 were an artist that worked for Fresh Jive and then you're twenty four years old, not really known in the industry, outside of that little hub of Fresh Jive, and you get plucked to being the creator of Hollister, which was a huge, widely successful, you know company, brand. And then you know you do your own thing, and you're successful with Quicksilver Women's, right? And then that goes away, and then boom, here's a thing that you and Randy create, and it's you know puts you on the global stage.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it cer- I mean it certainly did. I it you know I don't know how many people actually bought MNE, but a lot of people saw it because yeah. of the GQ work. It's cool. Um, but yeah, it was. It was an interesting time. I mean, we were doing that. Maddie, I, well,
1: let's mention Matty Mo. Matty He was, your, he was yeah. your rep for MDE.
2: I mean, Matty was more than our rep. It, it, it was really like um, Mike Labby was our designer, myself, uh, Randy. Um, Matty was really one of the faces of MDE because, you know, he was traveling the world. We would, no matter where we would go, we would set up these cool little... Like it almost felt like you were walking into the tailor shop, and even if we all we had was like a little ten by ten space somewhere, we'd throw up a canvas backdrop and pin all these photos. And so Maddie was really out there in Japan, in Europe, um, helping us. Yeah. And Maddie introduced us to you. Yeah, Moic. So, Lucky you. I know, right? <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, Maddie. Yeah, Moic Barn. <laughs> um, yeah, guy. So yeah, you know, it was, and there was also, so MNE was happening. Um, I had had a long time relationship with the Ron Herman family. And so we were also working on helping them create their business globally um, in Japan. And Mm so Pop was working. Pop was working very closely Mm -hmm. with Ron and his Japanese team on creating you know, what is now quite as... They're, they're about to... Ron Herman Japan is celebrating their 10th anniversary, the end of August. Wow. Um, What's we'll, funny too, though,
1: that really the reason why I think you're successful and because it's some things come really easy and naturally for you is because you surf, mm. right? And aren't the Japanese guys that uh, run... Ron Herman. Oh, they're all band. surfers. And they're all surfers. They're all surfers. Right, they so love, they yeah. love surfing
2: over there. Yeah. So that's the cool thing Koki, right? they're about. Koki, their president. You know, he's he's my age and such a successful businessman. But you know, at the end of the day, we wake up and the first thing we think about is surfing. Surfing. Yeah. yeah. Taiso, that, That's what I wire, love about
1: um, Tochi, our stories, yeah. right? And the reason why I work for you, and the reason why we work together. We work together. Um, and and Jay, it's like, it's all tied in with surfing. It's you know? all, yeah. That's the and yeah. and the mutual respect of, of surfing and the camaraderie of surfing, has led you to most of your successes.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. it's we out to surf. We do, <laughs> we do, hands down. Yeah. So so,
1: going back to it, me gets you.
2: Designer of the year, GQ. Yep, we were, and that was awesome. It was exciting. I think what people didn't see behind the scenes was that I was sort of having to deconstruct a little bit of the studio because of having to lay some people off, and and there and there was also at the same time I were the earliest days of ideating outer what would what would become outer known, and mm-hmm. so. Um, so building MDE, excited about um, what that was becoming, really invested in my relationship in Japan, helping them create Ron Herman and, and an offshoot of the Ron Herman store, it's called RHC, mm-hmm. um, that we really helped create from the ground what's up.
1: What's the C stand for?
2: Um, wow, Ron. well Ron Herman is the R and the H and C, Co- depending on who you talk to, is um, either Carol, Ron's wife, community, sort of representing the community around us, culture, uh, California. I think RHC, Ron Herman, California is probably the most obvious. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be going out there at the end of August to help, you know, to celebrate with those guys That's our 10th cool. anniversary. And I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the people who listen to the podcast, when they go... Um, on inspiration trips to Japan, they would have walked into one of these yeah. stores, and so really beautiful, um, beautifully done from from the top to the bottom. So we, so those were kind of the bright lights towards the end of the pop days. Um, it was MNE, um, it was Ron Herman globally, and then um, Kelly and I and a few others what, started. What happened with MNE? Well. It's hard to say what happened without sort of, you know, I had, I had had business partners. I, I started pop on our own. I, I took on these business partners a year later and those were the MBAs I talked about, you know, the really kind of smart suits that helped us do better contracts and that um, could essentially invest in our own vision. Right. And so, that led to us being able to Because the do idea was to create our own your own brands. Right. Yeah. Penny stock. Yeah. MBE. And so, things had gotten a little bit, it was a little tough behind the scenes, mostly because I think if you, when you grow up in our business, as, as we all have, you, you kind of know what it takes to really build a successful business. It takes time. It takes a lot of capital. Um, you know and, and, and probably a fair amount of luck like being, you know and timing, so, timing, timing and luck and th- they didn't have that same understanding or experience and so money, it was money, just money 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 yeah there was a lot of money but there wasn't a lot of understanding of how the fashion space works And and, and just yeah and there's a lot of variables to our business yeah from fit to you know your supply Network to to the weather, weather. exactly. Yeah. So I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I, I just I didn't see there being a long term appetite for investment, and and you know Kelly and I had sort of where VSTR left off. We sort of continued those dialogues with. A couple other people and we were just kind of always saying like well what if we did this on our own and what if we brought you know um, a better version of that to the market and so um, you know ultimately there was I tried to kind of help find a new home for MNE and it just wasn't really like you know you kind of I was spread a little thin and I kind (laughs) of had to Place of feedbacks, and so we, um, the earliest days of Unknown, we were ideating it within the studio. Um, so I was, you know, it was it was a client project, um, and you know, right about six months into it, I, you know, I went to Kelly and uh, the the couple others that were involved, and I said, Hey, guys, I, you know, instead of being your partner on the outside I want to be a partner on the inside you know I want to really build this with you and be a part of this like I don't want the same outcome for what would become out known to you know potentially be what happened at Quicksilver Women's right I wanted to be able to control our own destiny yeah and so and I knew it would be good I mean I knew that so going back yeah and Sorry, my skipping all over the place. I no, think. no.
0: Lennon likes to backtrack a <laughs> lot because I think he, his mind's. Um,
1: we did. You didn't tell us what happened with him. You know? What? So,
2: I honestly confused. Kind of but yeah. I honestly don't know. So like, I tried to help them do a couple deals. Trying to get it sold. Tried try to get it sold. I do think they did a deal, but I don't know with who. Okay. And then, it was, so you, so then you branched off from those guys. I branched off. The suits. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then branched off. Just and then you. You kept talking with Kelly and had an idea for another brand. Yeah.
0: Right? Pop still existed. Pop,
2: Pop still existed. I mean, we the earliest days of what would become Outer Known was a client project. We were helping build the vision for Outer Known. For Outer so, so somebody
1: said, I want you to create a brand. Yep. Right? And then you were like, Well, I'll create it but I want to be part of it. Exactly. Okay.
2: Exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah. So who came
2: up with the name? I don't know. Um I think everyone would agree that I came up with that name. Of course you did. I don't know if everyone has always Wait,
1: can I say something?
2: Yeah. You should have named it JT. Slater sense <laughs> JT Slater and Sons. <laughs> well, Kelly had
0: you Kelly should have named it Jimmy Slade. Jimmy Slade.
2: <laughs> Kelly had a name. He was extremely passionate about. Really. Um, and it still, it still exists within our world. Um, it's just not consumer facing. But you know, it's it's we. There was some pretty interesting minds involved in those early days, and what we did was um, we sort of created four different visions with four different names. Okay. And Outerknown was one of them. Circadian um, uh, was another one. Circadian. Yeah. Okay. What does that? Mean? I'm probably saying it wrong. You know, I think Kelly might say circadian. Um, Kelly's half Syrian, okay, and so it was spelled yeah, you know and and what do you think you're so good at everything? He's got to be half alien and half Syrian. <laughs> <laughs> and the, but it was like a play on circadian, circadian rhythms, right? Which you know, Kelly had has always considered with just his own like just the way he lives his life and a lot of his clean living. Um, you know, he thinks about the circadian rhythms of his body and, and life and nature and so it was sort of a play on that. So that was one of the names, Outer um, Known. We had a couple other names too. I think one of them was Future History and... Future History. Yeah, and I... That book's still around somewhere. It was a really fun book to put together because it kind of showed what all of these different ideas could become. Outer um, Known was actually, at first, it was sort of two... It was, it was... It wasn't one word. It was Outer... No, and um i had I, I had to we had to kind of fast track a few things because it was getting so ready. That, that was three what was the fourth i honestly don't remember there was a fourth i'll get back to you on that but it but we definitely had four names mm-hmm. and we'd always kind of so like can i
1: ask you who the first people are involved
2: yeah um i mean it was kelly um jeff and Kelly's long-term business partner, um, Terry Hardy, and um, really like it was incredible in those early days because we were just kind of like spitballing and just talking so about who um, who reached out to you. Um, Kelly had set up a meeting, so Kelly and I kind of would have these conversations when he was traveling. Kelly set up a meeting amongst um, myself. Jeff and Terry to kind of figure out if this was really something that like we could bring to life Um, within our resources that we had at pop and just, you know, whatever resources that they would augment with that. And so um, we had those initial meetings. You know, I remember Kelly couldn't be there for, for the first couple, but he and I had, we knew that from a design perspective, perspective and in terms of what we wanted to create we knew that we were aligned because we had that experience working together on VSTR and it went really well Um, but we put together um, a series of meetings I remember we all got on the phone one day all four of us were in different places and you know Kelly really walked us through what his vision would be for whatever this new brand would become And I remember on that call, he just, he kind of asked the question, like, what are we wearing and where is it coming from? And I remember it was just like silence after that, because we all really like, you know, it was kind of one of those moments where you got the chills a little bit, because we knew that we weren't just going to build another apparel brand, we were going to really try to smash the formula with this one. Yeah, make a Um, difference. Make a difference, you know. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that if we put just Kelly's name on a t-shirt and charged 19 bucks and made it conventionally, like, we would have sold a lot of t-shirts. Yeah, anybody Um, can do that. So we... (laughs) Yeah. So, So I think it was really you know we kind of knew On i remember that phone call it needed a so, purpose so it needed a
0: purpose he he wanted something with a purpose you wanted
2: something with a purpose
0: yeah i mean so kelly was the guy that thought of that
2: what are we wearing where, does where it is where is it coming from yeah. and it was really and i've always said this and and you know okay the fact that we're doing things with sustainability and responsible innovation at our core is 100% because of Kelly and, and his vision for this brand. I think why I was so passionate f- for doing things this way is um, think about all of the learnings that I had had over, you know, at the time, essentially 20 years in the business, um, you know, seeing some of the dirtiest of the dirty um, many manufacturing processes processes and you know, like just like seeing what big business was trying to get out of your suppliers globally with, with very little understanding of the impact we were making for that long. Um, when someone tells you on a phone call that they want to do this for a completely different reason, um, that's a pretty powerful moment, right? So, like, you know, I told you guys, like, a lot of these other big CEOs and conglomerates always saw us as, like, you know, the brand doctors, can you come in here and help us fix this or create this idea? Usually, at the end of the day, it's because they saw a massive... Up, upside. 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 You know? They yeah. had, from that day one, like, some billion-dollar vision, Yeah, and it was really about making the most amount of money as quickly as possible at the highest margins. At the quickest time. Yeah, regardless of the impact that you're has making. On people exactly. Yeah. So so this was like, wow, someone's actually we're gonna start this off and we're gonna we're gonna literally create our our own foundation and a new way of working. And so that was that was extremely exciting for me at that time and um probably really
0: challenging too because i mean just the sourcing of factories that have that caliber of they certified and yeah, yeah yeah like yeah. it's expensive and it's probably it takes forever to find those right partners so what's what so you, true here was like, that
1: that you guys said and so you did a process of elimination yeah. right there's four names we don't know what the fourth name is but it's arcadia outer
2: known and future history I think one of them was future history yeah that would yeah. be cool yeah and all the all you couldn't have gone wrong They're all, all, good. Yeah, all sure. four of these names and the branding packages that went with them were brilliant yeah. so you created each branding package I and did you had And had four yeah, decks but I, and said, but with incredibly talented people around me that's yeah. why like, when I say all four were brilliant I'm not patting myself on the back I right. mean I've just always been lucky to work with incredibly brilliant creatives and artists and so we had we couldn't have gone wrong with the four different ideas Um, can I tell you one quick story about the names which is kind of interesting so we knew it was getting to go time Um, I was flying out to New York I had to present to Julie Gilhart um, who's been a part of this brand also since day one Julie is a a long-term long-time veteran of the fashion industry but also she's been surfing for years and years and years and you know she she home the she was a fashion director of Barney's for almost 20 years um you know and cr- helped launch so many great ideas um we wanted her to come along on this journey because she was also a pioneer in bringing sustainable initiatives into fashion you know in the earliest days of the conversation you know back when a lot of people thought it was just greenwashing, like as early as the 90s you know and so but Julie was on the front end of that like how do we make fashion more responsible and so we love that she had a bright history in the worlds of sustainable thinking um, an incredible history in, in fashion but she also is happiest just like us surfing. in the ocean surfing awesome. and so
1: and who, who had that connection
2: it was um well I knew her through all of our years selling other brands to Barney's um, Kelly and her had crossed paths a few times so she was a friend of Kelly's um, and I don't remember everyone who is in that first meeting when we flew out but I knew I had to get this like presentation deck ready for her so that was the one that had the four names um, and what was really interesting is we were in New York and was she invested in the brand she wasn't but we had we had hired her to help consult okay. and be one of the earliest you know I've always considered her one of my most trusted advisors. um, Even when she probably wasn't hired to specifically do things that I was asking her for, but she's just always like, I'll turn to Julie when I'm really trying to get, you know, I need someone else's barometer on an idea, a name, a vision, a potential collaboration. So, So yeah, Julie... I had to get this deck ready. We had these names. I had realized that we didn't secure a URL yet, Ooh. and I'm literally like, I'm going out to the to the to Montauk, um, essentially to find Julie to have this conversation. And on my way out there, I'm thinking about. The names And I'm like, I wonder if like outer known wasn't two words. If we put it together and kind of created this new word, you know, is that a good idea? And I thought maybe the URL might also, maybe there's a version of that that would be available for the URL. So I thought, you know, if, if it is available, that's a sign. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, typed it in and you know, nothing came up. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. No conflicts came up. It was available. I do you, mean for like, do, you, do you ever get worried that you punch those in and then and they somebody know.
0: has a software and they start buying up those like names?
2: I think there might be some truth to that I, I, I do mean, That happens all the time I, th- yeah. I,
0: I think so. I think there's ways that they could track like when people punch in and yeah. you know still like Instagram
1: accounts, there's tons of them out there that people just create so they can cash in totally yeah. like they did with you know what do
2: they call them squatters internet squatters yeah yeah, yeah. so. But so. yeah we got the URL for less than 20 bucks and um, I don't know I saw that as a sign and yeah. I just you know I worked got feeling worked hard to kind of convey that vision to everyone else that was involved And you know look all this time later I'm so thankful that that is the name we landed on and you know I think it has a lot of meaning you know we talk a lot about I don't know being the furthest reaches of what we know possible yeah both as designers but also uh, as makers you know kelly is an athlete you know like taking him to new places that he's never been before um drawing new lines on a wave like you know it had a lot of deeper meaning um for all of us involved and so yeah it's an amazing name
1: yeah it's iconic it's gonna it's stand the test of time
2: well I also thought too like and that's not brown nosing no yeah. but it, it but it but it's <laughs> you want to
0: create something that has deeper meaning and you could draw you know infinite from you know yeah, yeah. so you know you're, you could always create new context or take it to a new place because of you know the name itself or what you guys are totally you know
2: o- so o- okay is such a great like you it's know, a second abbreviation second
1: must use word in the book the vocabulary well and it's an, and it's mm-hmm. universal
2: yeah no matter where you are in the world if you kind of just give a thumbs up or an aOk like everyone just kind of smiles yeah. you know it's like it's 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 reaffirming and so you know I think in that sense it was it was definitely meant to be um, so yeah it's funny it's still misspelled all the time and <laughs> you know we still see it written as two words all the time in press but you know um we we won't do that on our on our handle yes <laughs> well it'd be bad if Chalky did it right? <laughs> fire <laughs> um, but yeah so that was you know we we just wanted Kelly's vision was to build clothing with you know the utmost respect for the environment and everyone we worked with you know specifically all of the makers that were making our um and that's something we haven't compromised on from day one um you'd said something so right jay it's like you know the the challenge of doing things that way was yeah. was even more real than we imagined i mean i thought i would be able to go to existing relationships and say instead of using conventional cotton can we just use organic cotton and not so easy. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not necessarily the appetite from some of those makers because they're already making a lot of money doing things the conventional way. Yep. Yeah. And then it was also very hard to trace. Like someone might tell you they're giving you something that is either regenerated, recycled, or organic, but it's also very hard to trace. And so um, we spent about, not about, we spent exactly 28 months um, laying the foundation for a global supply network um, working with, we, we hired this woman named Shelly Gotchhammer in our earliest days who came to us from Patagonia. She had a wealth of knowledge in the space and, you know, we, we went out and we met with each one of these suppliers face to face before I think it was in 2014, so it would still be a year before we even launched products. Um, Kelly and I went to Slovenia, and uh, we had heard about this opportunity to uh, regenerate, recycle fishing nets and other nylon waste into new textiles and materials. And so we, which is Econo, which is e, yep, Econo. Econ- Equinil I think different people pronounce it different ways. Um, Aquafil is the company. Aquafil is the is the parent company, um, an Italian company. They've been um, making synthetics for years. Um, they invested um, millions of euros in this new facility in Slovenia to regenerate these materials. Um, so, it's you know it's fishing nets it's the top pile of industrial carpeting that they rip out of buildings and think about that for a second you know globally think about how many buildings are built over the years and then rebuilt or remodeled or so there's just tons of this like nylon carpeting waste out there so you know they've figured out a way to recycle the, the the top pile of the carpeting um, the nylon six fishing nets so not all fishing nets are nylon six but um a certain percentage are and then other types of outcast moldings from plastic furniture you know the, all of it gets um delivered to this intake center in slovenia and through this incredible process uh that kelly and i got to witness firsthand they they are able to turn it into these Regenerated nylon yarns that are then sent to mills to create um, a lot of the textiles that from day one we've used in trunks and jackets. Um, we, we have an Econil hat now and a few other things. So, um, but it, you know, that was, I guess, the reason why I'm telling you that piece is, you, you know, set it all up. Well, yeah, most brands, not only are they like, how quickly can we make a lot of money, but they're also, how quickly can we get this to market? Yeah, what well, every day is burning yeah. resources that you can.
0: But coming from all your history, especially working from some of those big corporate you know companies and or the guys that were funding, you know some of your earlier projects, were they had exactly that mindset. Yeah. Exactly. How how much can we make? How fast can we turn? And blah blah blah. Yeah. It's probably pretty refreshing working with a new group that are like. I mean, Kelly doesn't really need more money. It wasn't always his initial objective. Is like how how rich can I get? Versus,
2: figure totally. like a a good product that means something. Yeah, I mean, and Kelly was writing the checks in those earliest days. I mean, yeah. like the, that's what you guys really have to like think about what Kelly walked away from. Yeah, a paycheck that a big paycheck. Most yeah. of us never would imagine ever walking away from. And 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 then he was taking some of his own earnings and and putting it into this opportunity. And so, you know, I think it was, it was very clear from those earliest days that we weren't going to compromise on those values. I remember often saying, you know, we may or may not be successful, but hopefully we inspire others in the way we're going to build this brand. And, you know, it, here we are. Um, I think we just celebrated our fourth anniversary of actually selling products. Yeah. So When I tell the story I definitely think those initial 28 months are really important and we don't count those when we say our four-year anniversary but we spent truly 28 months of laying the foundation doing things the right way abiding we created guidelines that would abide to the fair labor associations guidelines from day one so before we even started trading products we were um, we we got—I I can't remember how we say it. It was like the usually it takes three years to become a part of the Fair Labor Association. We did it in that period of time, so those twenty-eight months that we had created the foundation before we even started selling products. So I think it just shows where the mindset was—the Yeah, the commitment, the commitment, um, where you know the 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 the, the type of. Um, long term perspective like w- this isn't a race um, we're going to create something the right way now so we can build a business that we really believe in that we know is doing good um, for everyone we work with for the long run so that was that was pretty cool
0: Did, has, has Kelly ever brought up the or mentioned that he once almost signed a deal with Another brand prior to starting
2: Outerknown? I know, I know where I know what you're thinking. I mean, I know, yes. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he and Pat have always been really good friends. Yeah. And so. Oh, Ruka thing? oh. <laughs> wow, Jay. that was our that
0: was our banner. I guess it's all downhill after this.
2: The write, writing fell off the wall there. Yeah,
0: I was just curious. I didn't know if you wanted this. To...
1: He almost if signed he... with Ruka.
0: Yeah. 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 I remember seeing. Uh, oh. Uh, it was Kelly and it was Pat. really close, but it was his agent that kind of pulled a fast one on him But ended up working it out in the long run. But yeah it, it made him a lot of extra money regardless. So Pat was pretty Happy, but we we you know, it was a weird time for
2: everybody Look if it wasn't gonna be our group. Yeah, I would have hoped it would have been Pat Yeah, so I, yeah, I heard I heard about a little bit of that during the process and definitely heard about it after the fact um yeah. and yeah i mean thankful yeah we're all sitting here and we did it this way but um there's a lot of great people involved in the brand now and we went from four people to i always forget literally um we, we are more than 40 people now in this building yeah we
0: noticed the parking lot it's there's there is no parking lot it's just cars it's there's cars, no parking spot. Yeah. It's
2: not, it's, it's, should be a f- few more bikes though, right? Doing what we do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know Sterling rides his bike here now. Sterling rides his bike. There's a few
0: of those. He should make Linden do that because he's used to two and a half hours each each way to oh the God. beach. So, so well,
2: you guys carpooled today, right? <laughs> yeah. Please tell me you guys. Yeah, ride. of course. Um, but yeah, so we're like, you know, we're 40, I think we're 43, 44 people now. And um, got a little shop downstairs, sort of a friends and family shop. You can set up appointments, though, as well. Um, We got a, you know, Tony, um, Sandy will basically set up these appointments where you'll call in advance, you'll tell them what you're interested in, your sizes, and, you know, they'll have everything waiting for you. They'll even be playing your favorite playlist when you arrive. Um, The true experience. experience, Yeah, personal experience. experience. So it's pretty, pretty cool what we've been able to do here with this and to me the team's still actually really small given what we've taken on. So yeah. So
1: wow, we've we've gotten the whole kit and caboodle. What's what's next for I don't know? I mean we just launched women's.
2: Yeah. Um and we did a a little offering for kids t-shirts. Did a little offering for kids t-shirts. I definitely think we would all agree that kids is a big opportunity in the future um you know i think it really depends on where you sit in the building now you're probably like you know i'm i'm just really excited that we were able to launch women's and you know that side of our business has the potential to yes to really that's a game changer right Mm -hmm. if you get that right so um i feel like we now have this incredible balance um, in, in the brand, and uh, we launched it in March. So, you know, we're going, I think we're, we've just dropped our third. We don't really abide by the fashion calendar any longer. So, we sort of do these monthly flows. Um, we, bo- we do those both um, for outername.com, but we also offer those to all of our retailers, um, which is. A really interesting way of working probably also a challenging way of working sometimes for you chalky mm-hmm. but um you know we don't make sample ranges the way a lot of companies do so we have to um really build a trust level with our retailers that they know the level of quality and design that they can expect from out and you know hopefully that they're willing to buy a lot of things off CADs and maybe swatches that they can touch and fill. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we're just trying to cut down on the overall amount of things we have to create along the process because it's just, at the end of the day, it's just more um, items that you have to find a good home for. Um, So we're not just thinking about how you build clothing, but what happens at the end of life. So, you know, a lot of times you build 20 sample sets, yeah. two of them get used, you know, what happens to the other 18? So we're always having sort of philosophical conversations like that in the business. Um, so women's, we launched, we're opening up our first retail store in September. Awesome. Which is exciting news. Yeah. Is that to location to
0: be determined or we know the public i for mean the you guys region. know but for
2: yeah it's gonna be in manhattan beach manhattan beach oh cool <laughs> um there's a point the point, the what point. It's yeah it's a, a place called the point so this outdoor um essentially the the small little mall but it feels much more like a gathering space um a lot of great restaurants and um You know, you go down there, and if you just spend an hour hanging outside of our new space, you'll just see so many of the type of men and women that are already wearing our products. And so we thought it was a great, I mean, the South Bay has a very vibrant history in the surf world. I mean, the very first surf shop ever, if I'm not mistaken, was in the South Bay. Dale Velzy opened it up. I want to check me on that, but I'm almost positive. Yeah. And, you right. he he went on to, to open up a few others. Um, but I think the first one was, was there in the South Bay. So it's just, you know, I, for me, it's about 10 minutes south of where I live in Venice. Um, it's about 15 minutes south of where we are here in Culver City. So it made sense, um, for our first external, um, post we we call our spaces outer spaces so outer space one is here outer space two will be at the point
0: cool
1: but enough about that what's your next surf trip <laughs>
0: um and not the ranch come on yeah, anything trip. other than surf ranch um jay have you been surfing <laughs> um we're going on episode what what 20 now and we're gonna uh, talk about this till the end of time no i haven't Oh man!
2: But her, Maybe her, John, John can help John's you out. John's gonna pull
1: man. some strings. Maybe Juan Moss can help you out with that.
2: Jay, I believe Juan you Moss. were invited to this last. I know, trip, but you were. <laughs> you guys changed the
0: dates, dude. Yeah. I was in Hawaii, bro. All
2: right. Well, Nixon. yeah. I mean, I love, I love surfing up in, up in mm-hmm. Lemoore. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna. So here's something for all of you guys that do your yearly surf trips. Do you guys know I'll be 46 in October? my last surf trip with the boys was for my 40th birthday so that shows how hard we've been working on how to None for the yeah. last six years um you know I think I'm talking about going to Peru mm-hmm. in October nice. the land of left land of laughs and I'm of a goofy foot. Yeah, so right. we're talking about going to Peru in October bring your big board yes
0: <laughs> no there's a there's a lot of good spots that aren't have you been there before? Yeah, I, one time.
2: Yeah, I know. Been. I know a few people that I've been talking to about. I guess it's not maybe the time of year for one spot that we want to surf, but it's a great time of year for another spot. So we're trying to put that together. Um, you but and I have a couple boys. Me and a couple friends. Yeah. yeah, it's it's my buddy Noah's birthday, my birthday. So we thought it was a good time to get out there. Um, we and then. I'm headed, like I said, to Japan uh, to celebrate Ron Herman's 10th anniversary this and, month. Yeah, and we always, like, I know the waves aren't always great out there, but it's always fun to get in the water in yeah. Japan and just the culture and um, the community that shows up to surf with you out there is just such a good time. Yeah. So I look forward to that. And then I, look, I, I love going up to Lamar. So, yeah. Um, I've heard some other people on your podcast who I have a lot of respect to talk about you know their 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 distaste for that wave I mean I think for me it's like one of my favorite places to surf these days oh absolutely such an incredible experience and I don't know
0: I think there's more pros and cons I mean you're going to get both sides you know but I think we got a lot of a lot of people that are more pro yeah you know especially the ones that have gone yeah yeah
2: yeah I'm 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 biased. I've I've worked with them since since the earliest days and kind of bringing surf the surf ranch experience to life. Um but it's, you know, I love surfing in the ocean. I also love that I can drive up, you know, 3 hours. I love the drive too, by the way. It's just such a peaceful part of California and you know, the you know, you, you just know you're going to score. And it's There's about something business. about an empty
0: lineup in a perfect way that
2: puts a smile oh. on anybody's face, you Yeah. Know? I mean, growing up, you surfing Malibu and You've got wired, Korn, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a cruiser, so I think I've, I've got it, yeah. You've got it wired. On Front t- hand and back on,
0: hand. On twin, yeah, I'm on a twin fans. Ch- wondering if you guys could pad the bottom a little bit more. <laughs>
2: yeah, how many times have you hit the bottom? <laughs> I've, I've been, been
0: hurt through, to Twice
2: but you bounced back didn't you the one time you really got you got how many stitches I got five stitches I think but you were back in the water a few hours later of course man I yeah. wasn't going to miss that opportunity yeah so but Jay we'll get we'll have to get you up there it's uh it's just beyond just how great the wave is it's just I I just always feel so at peace up there the the sunsets over Perkins Lake oh my gosh and the trees yeah. is just such a an incredible moment but um I've got do we have time? I, I have some other things I was going to ask you guys about. We've been That's, kind of prepared for this, I think. Yeah, let me, we don't let know me, what they are. are. Let,
0: let me get out my uh, my Rolodex over here and my archives <laughs> and my. I
2: was I was sort of I was inspired by Duma, um, a couple podcasts ago. I was listening to him, and he really challenged you guys on yeah. some stuff. Yeah, and you know, I was just thinking like. This is an interesting dialogue because, as a designer, I'm talking to two longtime anchors of the sales world and the surf industry, right? Yeah. And we have some really passionate debates sometimes, you know, where I think the the reputation is that we on the creative side always want to push the limits, and you know, half the time you guys are looking for those like, you know. Make the logo bigger. Make the logo bigger. Give me the logo <laughs> hack. Give me the logo tease. And so I thought it would be fun to maybe take a few minutes and just talk a little bit about it. Absolutely. Um, Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> and I don't even know where to start, but it's like, so I, like I've always, so here, I, I want to almost just put something on the table, right? Yeah. So, and Jay, you've got a pass with Stussy, right? Yes. So, you know, I remember I grew up, I was born in 73, but like the 80s were just so vibrant for me in, in surfing. And you know, I think about what Sean was doing. and I think about like just that path that Stucy was going down that felt so unique and original to everything else that was out in, in, in the world of surfing and skateboarding at the time. And I think about what Quicksilver was doing with Echo Beach and just like like how and really every art concept that they had put out up to that point was really dynamic and it was like these fully realized complete thoughts um, and like Jimmy Z up here for us Jimmy and Z like the shorts and you know I I guess here's my question so in a world that I can make an argument that surfing was really born around this idea of being almost a subculture and creating these incredibly distinct and original ideas so why more logo tees? why more logo hats in a world of logos I'm just curious like um, I mean
0: I think a lot of people you know the surf world especially action you know with people some say it's action sports whether it's surf culture skate culture or whatever you logo is you're 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 passionate about what the brands representing you know it's not just another logo most of the time like people identify whether it's an athlete or what they're doing as a brand or what they're supporting maybe as a local event that they went to maybe they saw it in the surf shop on the wall but I, I think right now we're at a weird crossroads where big brand logo branding yeah. has kind of slowed down yeah. and it's more about like the quality you know more about the fit and the fabric and but still identifying with you know the brand yeah you know like logo sell and it, you know if the logo stops selling the brand's dead yeah. you know yeah. I mean it's lost its True. identity or it's whatever but if you could sell a logo but then they're going to come back and buy the expensive jacket, the jeans, the twills, the button up, all the stuff that it doesn't have their branding, then you know you got something special. It's know. the entry and drug it is
1: to yeah. your brand. Yeah. A t-shirt and a hat is the entry level, you know, the 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 first a kid that doesn't have a lot of money or a person doesn't have a lot of money, but he wants to portray the brand. Yeah. T-shirts usually the cheapest thing to buy, and the easiest thing to identify to a
2: brand. And I totally get that. And 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 we're coming around to it, right? Like, you know, out of Nome, we were kind of almost saying, like, you know, we were surfers that grew up. We grew out of these big logos, yeah. and yeah. you know, we wanted to wear. You know, it was really hard to find this simple black t-shirt. I literally remember Kelly just saying, it "was so hard." Like he he likes to wear a black tee. Yeah. But it was hard to find one that didn't have massive logos all over it. So, but we're coming around, right? Mm-hmm. So like, um, and I even see it, you know, we we just, our trucker hats that we put the, the big okay on, I mean, they're, they're some of our best sellers. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm watching it happen. I guess, maybe I'll spin the question a little bit. And like, I do think when you walk into the, the, the world of traditional surf brands, it sort of is, it's a bit of a sea of sameness yes absolutely so let's i guess what i'm asking is what happened to like the stucy velcro pull-on pant or jimmy, maybe, z. Uh, jimmy z yeah like where are those days you know like and the innovation and is there of, uh... well i think the innovation now is coming through like textiles mm-hmm. and these other things but like You know, I remember, I I saw, I still have it somewhere. It was a QSD, Quicksilver Denim Mm -hmm. Flannel, from like the early 80s. And it was literally denim that was printed with a plaid and brushed. And I think it was just like one of the coolest things ever. Yeah. But you don't see as much of that.
1: Yeah. I think there's still, every once in a great while, you'll see like a standout product or innovation. Yeah. Not every season. not, Not one brand does it, but... I know what you mean like you know I I think think we talked about it before back in the day when Quicksilver did that flannel with the hood right totally the overhead Larry is what it was called yeah and then Bill came up with a denim with the the hood
2: pirate surf I think really put that on the map but yeah like then everyone yeah it I think it's it's gotten to a point where things move
0: so quick both in social media marketing and design with fast fashion that you know, you might get some of those pieces that are kind of unique, and then all of a sudden it's, it's blowing out yeah. with twenty different companies doing it like the yeah. next season, and then it yeah. kind of gets shelved, to where stuff doesn't really. That's really a last. great point. Right. Last,
1: right. there's way more players in the game now. Yeah. In surf, in skate, in everything, that it's hard to see or come up with something new. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because. Back back then, I mean, you had you could probably count on two hands how many brands there were. Yeah, you know Stussy. You know you referenced Stussy. Think back then, you had Quicksilver, you had Billabong, you had Stussy, you had Gotcha, you had I don't know Beach Town
2: or. There was still a lot, but but not like it is today. No, you know. And and I just feel like when you th- when you when you think about that era, everyone yeah. had this really like distinct vision that showed up on the floors of the surf shops. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think I, I, I almost feel like today, like you could
0: almost swap logos across most of the product in the shop today. today. Yeah. And you know, that label could be over on that one and that could be on it's the same
2: thing. Yeah, it's like it's almost yeah. like whose tagline's the best. Yeah. Yeah. 'Cause at the end of the day everything else kinda yeah looks I, and feels yeah. the same. I
0: have that
1: epiphany every time I walk into a store and look around. Yeah. You're like, Holy shit, like just put your logo on this and you know, it's a sea of sameness.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it 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 feels you know, authenticity as a word gets thrown around so much yeah. in our world and you know, I just really feel like Authenticity is also within that word is a responsibility to being original yeah. and, and 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 charting your own course. And so, you know, this is less about me saying, I disagree that we need more logo tees. It's really about like you and I have this banter almost all the time in our corner, but it's like here I am, I'm sitting with two guys that have been doing this for twenty years and part of me hopes that we almost can get back to a place where yeah all of these companies are thriving because they all have this really distinct and unique reason for existing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now I I love that we sell more cut and sew pieces than T shirts, to be mm. perfectly honest. Yeah. so you does know, the shop because of the, the margin the margin's way better on, yeah. on cut and sew and and t-shirts to me it's like because retailers want to sell everything yeah. right and we as reps want to sell yeah. everything yeah. but if our t-shirt category is the weakest and we're making up for it and uh, the other stuff around it sells better that's yeah. the hardest thing to do is sell your cut and sew because yeah. the price and blah 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 yeah. the easiest thing to do is sell your t-shirt yeah so that's the only reason why we as reps kind of like you know because it is the entry point to
2: your brain yeah and 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 we're gonna c- continue to do it yeah. so I you know I just think it's that wasn't a
0: tough question you got yeah well T-shirt T-shirts are like printing it's like printing money almost yeah. though it, it's that easy
2: yeah. in regards to if
0: you have a strong selling yeah label. I mean If you look,
1: if you, if we walked into
0: a store right now. But
2: now do it organic, fair trade. And it's harder. And it's better. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But if you walked into any surf shop, right? Yeah. You would see stacks and stacks of graphic tees. Yeah. Before, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying we need to do that. I'm just saying we need to offer it.
2: Totally. And I mean, I grew up wearing, I had my favorite, you know, surf, logo tees and, but I do think part of it is like you know we grew up I, I love the t-shirt you're wearing just yeah. that simple little Ruka logo tunnel in the pocket But me and
1: Kelly wear uh,
2: outer nose CTs I'm wearing the same one right <laughs> now dude black <laughs> same one black on black <laughs> um, but yeah I mean we're we're we're, we're coming around I think um, you know I am it's I'm, so I'm stoked that we have like this incredible blanket shirt program yeah. and the apex and I do think they all are much more understated in their approach to branding but um and people honestly love that we have
1: good quality product and it's stylish and logo
2: this is know? great this is where this is like the I don't know commercial this is right this now. is the infomercial <laughs> yeah. um okay well, harder questions for you so um where have the women band on Late Night with Chalky. Ooh, we'll have call. you know, our, was it third? We
1: had Hobie, Yeah, Tracy. I heard, yeah, yeah. She is a woman and she does surf and she does marketing for Hobie, so we had her. Yeah. And then uh, the other day we interviewed Daydream, this young couple, Kyle and Becca. Yeah. So, yeah, we're trying to, um, um,
2: we, we don't, not want to have women on our show you should have so a few few suggestions is is um alice and roberts at billabong i just think what she does is epic faye frederick's Vans.
1: if todd will let her no
2: <laughs> I, I think even susan i don't know i've lost track with susan but you know, oh dude that'd be is, sick yeah. the girl from barney's well no sorry that's julie gilhart okay. but no susan branch who hired us at quicksilver went on to yeah I just think there's so many like what's happening and with women surfing and just the whole women's side of things is so interesting and I yeah. think it's a big opportunity. Oh, that's it's not a hard question either, bro. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, that's uh, it's on our hit list we'll just sure. knock like, We just knocked that out We love women.
2: In <laughs> Venice, our wives, Venice, you
1: got
0: to introduce us. All you have to do is introduce us. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Hook us up, bro. <laughs> One brother? Do another brother? I saw it. Uh.
2: All right. The <laughs> names, boys. late Late nights late night tell us I want to know what late night and chalky means well if you you
0: you haven't but if you if you've ever been out with me I'm 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 just a great dude to be out all hours yeah (laughs) all hours yeah
1: when he was on tour yeah he would party with the best of them but then he'd be the first guy up in the
0: morning so yeah I I was the responsible party scout nice yeah Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't let let it affect my my job because I I took you know surfing and traveling like serious just like you know I hope most of the guys are you know but the fact that you're not gonna fly halfway around the world and then just go sit cuddled up in your hotel room Hungover. whether you're yeah you know in the event or not you know obviously if you're competing you would scale it back and you yeah. know obviously do your job but as soon as you lost which I lost fairly often early that left me a few more nights no but we we i would be the you know i loved socializing and going out and meeting people and talking to people and experiencing culture and i would be the last one are you still this way no i'm happy hour long. i tried to i tried to pitch this before we so so
1: when i came up with the idea of starting the podcast right i'm like wow what a perfect name late night with chalky yeah with chalky with and and uh He's like, yeah, I like that. He's like, well, what about happy hour lar with chalky? I go, no, dude. Too long. No, dude, that doesn't sound like a good idea. So, happy
0: hour lar. So now now I'm all about the four to six, uh, you know, half off appetizers and drinks and getting my fade on and then being in bed by like nine. You could do the
2: late night version of this podcast. Yeah. I mean, you could, right? Always. Yeah.
0: We yeah, we we, we I, it's hard to get out these days with yeah. kids and stuff, but that doesn't mean I I can relate. I can, but, um, no, but
2: we can all relate. Yeah, I'm usually passed out by 10 30 every night. Yeah. But I'm an early riser, so same here. Yeah. Same you. You, you get up, I'm early? up early. Yeah.
1: I get up five thirty six almost every morning. April hates it. Yeah. Um, My family Talk doesn't
2: mind as long as I don't make noise and I bring home coffee and bagels. Everyone's happy. Chalky, yeah. Chalky is
1: uh, a nickname that Jeff Booth oh, yeah. actually gave me because he said I surf like Aki, but I'm dark, so he said I'm the chocolate Aki. The chocolate Aki. So. Chalky. chalky. So chalky.
2: Got it. Yeah. You do kind of surf like Aki. Eh, I try. You should do that little ponytail with your hair. <laughs> he does where's, so
1: where's Jeff Booth these days? He is at Flowho's. Oh, working with Flow. Yeah. Something. Yeah. No. Nice. Yeah. Still ripping. Still ripping. I'm sure. I'm sure. Was that it, bro?
2: Um. Yeah. Did I not ask you anything too challenging? No, dude. I Those thought were you were good. gonna throw us under the bus on something. No, no. Yeah. Well, I. You know, I do think. I'll throw you on the bus right now. Please. I think you you guys are doing a great job. I mean, it's cool to... I think we need more of this. And, you know, whatever... If we want to say we're in the surf industry or just, like, in our conversations in general, I just think it's cool to have these open dialogues. Yeah.
0: I mean, most often than not, you know, we run across a lot of cool, you know, people within our, you know, surf industry and shop, whether it's the shop level, the youth, the old school, you know, there's this, I think there's a lot of good people, you know, yeah. and we yeah. want inter- to introduce those people and, yeah. and, and inspire others and just talk surf and Top how lap. fortunate we are yeah. to be where we're yeah. at, you know, and surfing, I mean, is everything. Surfing saved my life, for sure, in many ways.
1: Surfing saved my life, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, a little background on myself that you probably don't know. I grew up in Long Beach.
2: Yeah. Um, no, Maddie reminds me of that. He actually <laughs> said to make sure I knew when I went surfing with you that Jay was the local, you were the trans <laughs> That's, that's
1: true. But I've been living there for a long time now, yeah. so I, I consider myself somewhat of a local.
0: You're a local. Yeah.
1: But, um, grew up in Long Beach. Uh, mom, I was like a latchkey kid mm-hmm. and, and skateboarding you know, pretty much kept me uh, busy, yeah. and and then surfing took over in like junior high, high school. But um, I don't know how I made it. You know, I don't have any formal education. I tried to go to school for like seven years, college, and never amounted to anything. But luckily, fell into working at Huntington Surfing Sport. And well, even ZJ
2: before that, or ZJ right? before that, that's yeah. Crazy.
1: So that's yeah. how I, um, know Todd. Well, and Larson, you know, he not a broken home, but you know, you uh, your dad was uh, you live with your dad, and mm. yeah, you didn't have any college, no. But he's one of the smartest
0: guys. I worked you know. at I mean, a paper route at like twelve to <laughs> tag in service sport product well before you're allowed to actually work. Work, <laughs> you know, yeah. in in Chris Science's garage every day, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, I'd be stoked. That's great. And then when I was 16, first job I went and... I was actually working at a service board, but I went and got a job at McDonald's. Yeah. And that was because of the free food. Yeah. <laughs> and I asked. I'm like, I am so hungry all the time, and I, I need food. <laughs> yeah. Can I get free food? And they said, yeah. you get. You How get long these? did you work at McDonald's for? Oh, like, maybe two months. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get my shifts covered. And they say, if you don't show up, like then don't bother coming back. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I can't. I blew my first job, too. Yeah.
2: What'd you do for? You oh, could ask a-
0: you could ask Maddie about the times that I worked there, and Pete Rocky. Oh, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> and all of them. Because they've come in with exactly like 63 cents in pennies, nickels, and dimes and for, make for a small fry. Yeah. And, and they would leave with a big bag. Nice.
1: But we don't you know condone yeah. that no yeah.
0: no it was, <laughs> I was but that's thinking.
2: what you do though I mean surfing is yes yeah. it's, it's just it's like having a community of friends all over the world yeah so you kind of look out for each other and you kind of abide by that unwritten code and yeah. you just you make it happen yeah. yeah so talk
1: about inspiring people what what kind of words of wisdom do you have for our listeners
2: oh wow um, I mean it's probably a little bit of what most people would say after a life of hard work but you know it's you just you really if you want something you really have to work and work and work some more I mean I, I do think that today we have access to so much and you can quickly have this Inflated sense of self and you know if you get a certain amount of likes on an Instagram post all of a sudden you know you're um, you think that you are a global globally recognized talent and yeah. you know that's not always the case I think there's there there can be not a whole lot of substance behind a lot of those things so I just think any advice I would have is just to 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 work harder than you ever think you need to and always be there for the for those that you are working with and for and manage even the people you're actually managing being there for them too and just trying to always be as nice as you possibly can to to everyone you come across because it's a very small world that's (laughs)
1: It comes around, goes around.
2: Yeah, you you, and that's
0: why I try to teach you know my kids follow your passion. I don't care if it's like, and I tell them I don't care if math and numbers you know, which some people is like, extremely boring and whatever. I'm like, that's what makes you tick, then cool. If it's drawing, which kid cool. is that, Jay? No no no, 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 no. I'm just using that as an example, but because I you know, know your kids and yeah, they're not He doesn't already math, but uh, no, it's you know, again, yeah, like you mentioned. You never know who and what and when you're gonna cross paths with somebody, so you got to yeah. treat everybody with respect and and you know with respect and
2: and you never with. know what someone else is dealing with, yeah. and so I just think that you know business is cutthroat. Yeah, the clothing business is a slugfest, yeah. and you know a smile goes a long way. So yeah. I just I don't know. I'm I'm saying that to myself too. Yeah. I mean
0: try not to be a one-upper and I mean you know like what you you know where you're going with the, the whole social media thing you know everybody's always so involved in what everybody else is doing it's like just you know worry about yourself and your surrounding and you know like you surrounded yourself with good people throughout your career and you know if you're surrounded with you know good people this is one good good peeps over here El Cabellan over here yeah yeah Chalky Chalky the chocolate yeah. hockey
2: No, you guys—we're getting really good like, people.
0: We're turning this like really into a s- kumbaya.
2: Yeah, this is. <laughs> do you guys want some tea? We, no, we get some I want a beer, set, We can arrange where's that. The, where's the uh, the kegerator? We can we can arrange that. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just hard work. Just yeah. be
0: cool, people. Just be cool. Pass along the stoke.
2: Pass along. Totally. Same thing in the lineup. Just don't right? burn me. Oh, I mean, got the utmost respect for my elders, and especially the people when I show up at a new break. But it's like a smile goes a long way in the water. Same thing in the office. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all I got. Okay.
1: Well, dude, this is session two of the Juan Moss episodes. We are. Close to almost two and a half hours on this one.
0: Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. We do. I think uh, a lot of people will get some good insight and, and, and inspiration on hearing your story. And I mean, a lot of people might be in different chapters of where they're at, and you know, might, might be an unhappy job, might want to, you know, maybe take the risk to try something new, or might just change their attitude with the people they're working with, and you know, start off on a new new foot. Because yeah. You know I mean, you know, just to recap the Juan
1: Moss story that you're going to have to listen to throughout. But here's a here's a guy from what was it? What what's it, Thousand what's Oaks? Well, Thousand Burbank, Burbank, originally Burbank.
2: Burbank. Burbank. Yeah, born in you know? Burbank. Born in Burbank. Grew up in Westlake, Thousand Oaks.
1: Westlake, you 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 know, West found Lake, West <laughs> West Side Lake. I was just
2: back there on Saturday.
1: <laughs> so, so you uh, grew up surfing, you know, you, you found yourself to be an artist, um, went to Westmont College, became a designer, eventually became a designer at Fresh Jive, uh, worked for the, a brand that people in our industry detest, but we are highly, I mean, what you did was amazing, mm-hmm. you know? Thanks. I mean Hollister is, you know, love it or hate it. It was a great business creation. Sincerest apologies
2: to all those <laughs> who <laughs> hate it. And to all the haters. But um, thanks, thanks for the experience that got yeah. me to this place to be yeah. able to do what we really love. And good yeah. luck with all right. this stuff in here. <laughs> thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. And then wait, wait, wait. I'm not done.
1: Oh. oh. Right. And then, and then from there you got. GQ fucking designer of the year. Yeah, That's amazing, right? Yeah. And then here we are, present day, you've created from a fake brand that without any kind of real authenticity to one of the most iconic and authentic brands with your
2: partner, Kelly fucking Slater. Kelly and a host of Amazing, other talents, yeah, in, the, in this building and and really everyone you work with too, all the yeah. retailers that have given us a shot have really helped us build this brand. But yeah,
0: thank you for finally sitting down with us, Juan Moss. Yes. Yeah, we know you're a busy man, and we appreciate
2: your time. Yeah, you know I what? can't believe you carved out time for us. You know what? Maybe the best, one of the best things that'll come from this is, um, so you guys know I'm really like it's days are extremely busy for all of us. Yeah, so I always get hit up. Via like LinkedIn and all these things, like, hey, would you, you know, have time to grab a coffee? Um, love to just catch up and hear your story. Well, now I can just direct them to. Direct them to late night with Chalky. Um, Copy the link. And episodes it. one and two. Yeah. And uh, if, so, you, if you still have any do, questions, just after drop that,
0: the mic on your LinkedIn and say here, here, here's where you go. One well, loss. Thanks, boys. Thank you. Yeah. Arigato. thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the show please give us a 5 star rating and spread the word special thanks to our
1: good friends James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music